0: With a practical word on what to do when you're way too busy, here's Pastor Ed Taylor.
1: Learn how to say no you need to hear from the holy spirit learn how to say yes to the things god wants you to do and no to the things that god doesn't want you to do because otherwise you'll find yourself overcommitting becoming very busy and you were once known as a person that completes your task but because now you're so overcommitted and you've committed to more things than you can possibly do you're not finishing things on time you're not taking care of business and it's a very big frustration in your life and your reputation is being ruined and that so is that of your Christianity.
0: This is a messing grace. This is a failing love that you would take my grace. be a challenge for some to recognize that the need is not the call. The call is the call. But for those with a heart to serve, they can miss that important step and some other pitfalls. It's good to be with you and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We've been focusing on the gift of ministry here lately. It's truly a remarkable gift, but not without some pitfalls, like being too busy, overly burdened, bothered, or becoming bitter and then burned out. These hazards can be avoided. But first, we'll hear more on how this important gift operates. Starting off in Acts 6, here's Pastor Ed.
1: Chapter 6, Homework. It says that we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And then notice, verse 7, the Word of God spread. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. That's what happens when you do things God's way with God's giftings and God's timings. God, he spreads his word, people's lives get changed, and disciples multiply. It's wonderful. A couple pages over, chapter 9, verse 36. Here's another example in the early church. We're looking at the gift of ministry or the gift of service. We've already seen some characteristics. We've looked at it in the life of Jesus in a very practical way, a little exhortation, little perhaps a rebuke, a little stirring through the life of Jesus. Now we're looking at an early church from these guys that were chosen to this precious, blessed woman. We know her as Dorcas. Then chapter 9, verse 36, at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. I want you to notice this. You might want to mark it. This woman was full of what? Okay, you guys with me? This woman was full of? And? Which she did. She was full of them. That's how she was known. She was full of good works. And notice, she was full of charitable deeds, which means she did it for nothing because she was gifted. She didn't expect anything in return. What did she do exactly? Well, notice, after it says that she fell sick and she died in verse 37, you know, they sin and tell Peter to come. And Peter comes, verse 39, and he arose and went with them. And just pause there for a second. Understand, when we're reading these things, this is a true story of a true human being of a true miracle. Like, this is God working. This isn't just like stuck somewhere. And like, oh, it's kind of a little story illustration that might help you understand. Like, this is the real deal. Dorcas was a real woman known truly for her being full of good works and charitable deeds. And then she dies, she, she rises again. But notice verse 39, Peter rose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And notice, all the widows stood with him weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. She just made stuff. That was her gift. She made garments and tunics and blessed people. Can you imagine that you just had one of those coats that she made for you It kept you warm and you were reminded not only of Dorcas and her love but of the love of God through her and they just had, here, look what she's done. Look what she does. And, and I know so many of you with your hands, you're just so practical, knitting and crocheting and sewing and so many wonderful gifts with your hands, building stuff, crafting stuff. This gift is so valuable, so wonderful. Peter puts them all out. She rises from the dead, which mind-blowing in and of itself. In verse 42, it became known throughout all of Joppa and many believed on the Lord. Because that's the whole bottom line of God working in a person's life. Many believing on the Lord. So what a great gift. Before we leave, I want to show you some of the dangers. If you're taking notes, you may want to jot these down. Some of the hazards, some of the pitfalls. For those of you that are gifted with this gift of ministry, we're going to look at them in the life of Martha in Luke chapter 10. So would you turn over there with me? Luke chapter 10, we have a very familiar story. Mary and Martha preparing for Jesus to come to their house. And so here are these sisters. Jesus comes to town. And I can totally understand Martha, right? I mean, how would you feel if God came to your house, right? Clean everything up. We've got to have just the right meal and just the right food. And so I can understand her nervousness for sure. It says in verse 38, Luke Chapter 10, verse 38. It happened as they went, he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. By the way, if you didn't know what that was, that's Martha telling Jesus off. That's what she's doing, bossing him around. He's not doing what she wants him to do. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So some things to look out for if you are gifted with the gift of service. Number one, you may fall into the trap of busyness, of just being busy, 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 busy. Because you see millions of things that need to be done you often overcommit yourself and that is a trap. You overcommit yourself and what you need to is learn how to say no. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit, learn how to say yes to the things God wants you to do and no to the things that God doesn't want you to do, because otherwise you'll find yourself overcommitting, becoming very busy, and you were once known as a person that completes your task, but because now you're so overcommitted and you've committed to more things than you can possibly do, you're not finishing things on time, you're not taking care of business, and it's a very big frustration in your life, and your reputation is being ruined, and so is that of your Christianity. And so you want to be careful that you don't fall into the trap of busyness. And since you have a hard time saying no, the possibility of being motivated by guilt instead of being moved by the Spirit comes to play. And so now you're just doing things to please man, and you really can't please man. It's impossible to please man. So you see it right there with Martha. She was distracted. That's what busyness does. It distracts us from what's important with much serving. Number two, As we go down a list of hazards and dangers for those of you with this gift, number two is you like to do things by yourself. Typically, people with the gift of service are very hardworking and sometimes would just rather do the job themselves, right? And so the old saying goes, often coming from your lips, if you want a job done right, well, gee, all the people with the gift of ministry right there. (laughs) And so that's your attitude. You want it done right? going to do it yourself. Got to do it all by myself. But listen, when you have that attitude, you hurt people. You hurt them deeply. Because just with that statement, if you want something done right, you're telling the people around you that they don't know what they're doing, or they're doing it wrong, or they have to do it your way, or they have to do it this way, and... Instead of walking alongside of them and discipling them and helping them, you get to that place where you would just rather do things by yourself and I'll just get them done. And you may get the thing done, but you might lose the opportunity to serve and love someone, which is really why God's given you the gift to begin with. So you gotta be careful because that greatly, greatly hurts people. It hurts them emotionally, it hurts them spiritually. And for those of you with this gift, you wanna be careful because you have a hard time letting go of projects, you have a hard time delegating to others. And it's just plain hurtful to those that serve alongside of you. So be careful. Number three. Hmm. These all go together. They kind of build together. And just reading it makes me laugh. For those of you that have the gift of ministry, you really have to be careful because you can get a little bossy. Okay, so the people laughing are either A, bossy, or they know people and you're like, no, I'm laughing at because they don't get a little bossy. They get a lot bossy with this gifting. It's true. See, since you see that everything that needs to be done, God is giving you that ability to see those types of things, the temptation is, because you see everything that needs to be done, the temptation for you is that you tell everybody exactly what they should do. And you get bossy. And you get demanding. And that, too, hurts people. Because Jesus is our boss. He's our master. And we need to be sensitive to those that are around us. See, it's in that attitude that you lose your servant's heart. And you start to become ineffective with this gifting. Well, they build. Number four, not only can you be a little or a lot bossy, you also, number four, is a trap you need to watch out for. You can be easily bothered. You're easily bothered. What I mean by that is gift of service people can be particularly susceptible to stressing out. They don't thrive on time pressures and deadlines. And so it's easy to get overwhelmed with all that you see needs to be done because you just see it and it overwhelms you. But this botheredness is often translated into criticism and restlessness. Usually it goes along these lines. All these things need to be done. Where are the people to help me? Why isn't she helping me? Why isn't he helping me? Don't they know that needs to get done? You know, this church doesn't have enough servants, or this, and all of a sudden now your gift of ministry has become well, like you're the number one critic. As if here's the danger. It's almost as if you know everything there is to know about everyone. And so you're just going to take care of it because you've become bothered and you're a little bossy and you've struggled with, I would do everything all by myself, but then you get upset when nobody comes to help you when all you should be doing is just seeking God, serve him. If there's a need for help, then pray the Lord of the harvest of sin labors into his harvest. But it doesn't mean you don't do what God's called you to do. And so you get bothered, you get restless, you become critical, not only do you see things that need to be done, but you also conclude that nobody else, and you start talking in extremes, right? Nobody knows the trouble I'm in. And then we all ask you to stop singing. (laughs) I mean, you just get so mad, and you get bothered, and you get critical, and, and here, it's easy. At this point, it's easy for you to forget who you're serving. You're not serving man. You're serving God. And so you're serving man. If you're trying to please man, you're going to fail miserably. You can't please man. Okay, understand that. The fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. You can't please man. I mean, I've used this often. Let's just say in my mind I heard that the left side of the sanctuary has been really upset with me lately. So today I've decided, you know, Lord, I'm just going to please the left side of the sanctuary. So my whole entire time I actually moved the pulpit over here. And I just teach you guys until I get a sense of all your faces. Are you guys okay with me? You all right? All right? Happy? Everything's fine? You guys are okay? You're going to go home okay? You're fine? Great. Wonderful. But then on that side of the room, they're like, wait a minute. He's not looking at us. I, hi, guys. I'll be back with you in a minute. But, you know, he's not looking at us. He's not paying attention to us. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, man. Okay, you guys all right? All right. Are you guys all right? Sure. All right. Dun, 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 dun. I know you guys are mad, but I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. You guys, don't tell the left side, but you guys are the best. You're the best. Okay, don't tell them. But they heard me, and now they're really mad at me, and I'm running over here, and I'm running over here. You know, in a practical way, many of you live your life just like that. You try to please this guy over here, and you go to bed at night. Oh, they're really happy with me. But then this one over here hears you didn't get enough attention, so you got to run over there, and you go, are you okay with me? I'm okay, and it's a trap. Listen, the privilege that I have the pastor here, it's awesome. Let me just say this. I don't serve you primarily. I serve God. He's my pastor. He's my shepherd. When you serve, you don't serve me primarily. You serve God. We all collectively keep our eyes on Jesus Christ because what I've found to be true is that God is so much easier to please than man any day of the week. He loves you so much. And so when you lose sight of that, you start becoming critical. You start becoming condemning. You're Mr. Fingerpointer. You can find all the problems in the church. You're Mrs. Fingerpointer. You can criticize all the weaknesses of our church. But while you're fingerpointing and criticizing, you're not serving. And you're, like, not even nice to be around anyway. And it brings poison into the church spiritually. Because not only are you easily bothered, but here's another danger as we wind down here. You can also now become easily bitter. And I'm not just talking about, like, having a bitter mind. I mean, bitterness takes root in your heart because anger and frustration happens a lot when no one else is helping you. And that's all you see. And you're just looking at all the negatives of things and... And I'll tell you, you got to watch out for this. Just If you're bitter right now, just pray that God washes out your heart. You don't need to be bitter. It's a joy serving the Lord. It's work. It's difficult. You may or may not have help, but you've got Jesus. What else do you want? He'll be your sufficiency and your strength. And as you are getting through some of these dangers, you'll find that God will bring people to help you. I promise you. I've seen God work over and over again. Another danger, number six, you can easily get burned out. That makes sense, Right? that's what bothered busy bitter people do they get burned out i mean you get so bothered and busy and bitter you'll tell god off won't you just like martha did oh i would never do that ed i would never tell jesus off really we recorded your prayer six days ago (laughs) and there you are in your prayer room oh god i can't believe nobody helped me i mean i want to be right but god would you just and like oh that's martha all over again it's just not recorded in Scripture for everybody to read. But it happens. And you get burned out. All this stuff catches up with you. You're busy, you're tired, you're wrestling with the flesh, you've got issues in your life, you're not getting attention, you're overcommitted, you're frustrated, you just want to quit. And you want to be careful. Number seven, as we end, another danger is that you are susceptible to feelings of inferiority. And it goes back to security in the Lord, doesn't it? You start to feel inferior because you sometimes think that what you do is not that important because it's behind the scenes. And you're not really that obvious. And you may be tempted to think that your gifts are not as important as someone else's. As if you're not really that important after all because so much of your ministry is behind the scenes. Nobody knows. That's why it's behind the scenes is because you're gifted that way. But now you're susceptible to these false feelings of inferiority because you're a servant of the king. You have nothing to feel inferior about at all. And so you want to take those feelings and you want to take every thought captive under the obedience of Jesus Christ and let him be your sufficiency and your strength. I mean, you, again, you might be tempted to think that your gifts are not as important as someone else's, but look at it this way. If you're a carpenter here today and I said, what is your most important tool? Well, I mean, hammer, right? Some of you would say, or one of those, those gun deals, right? right? I know I don't build stuff, but I've seen them. Right? It shoots stuff into stuff, right? <laughs> so you might say, that's an important thing. And I okay, or maybe you're a mechanic here. And I say, what's the most important tool for you mechanics? Again, not being a car fixer myself, whatever tools you use, right? The ch ch, ch- or the kh- whatever it is, you know? <laughs> so you ask a couple mechanics, you get a couple answers. Or if you're a plumber, you know, what's your favorite tool? And it's this thing and that thing. And, and here's the deal. All the tools are important, right? They're all necessary. You need them all to fix different types of things. I mean, if we had to look at this with all these important tools, if there was one tool that was more important than any of the others, it's probably the one you can't find because you need it to do what's before you. Listen, some of you have this gifting of ministry and service and we've had a hard time finding you and yet you're so important to the ministry. You're so important to Jesus. And we're having a hard time finding you. And you know what? You're the important tool. We want to see you again engaged in the ministry. We want to see you jump in with both feet. We want to see you serve with joy and gladness. We want to see you just... Totally transform your life. For some, today, it's going to start with just repentance. You have a godly sorrow in your heart for what's going on in your life, and you haven't been of value to the kingdom of God, and God says, come back to me. For some, it just comes with the reality of knowing what your gift is. Some are called to serve. Thank you for that. Gifting, Lord, thank you that you have put so many people with this gift of service in our church, just ministering to the Lord as much as those just serving in all different areas. God used John Wesley in such a powerful way in the church for many, many years, and I came across something that he wrote that I'd like to share with you. So powerful, but so simple. John Wesley said this, do all the good that you can, by all the means that you can, in all the ways that you can, in all the places that you can, at all the times that you can, to all the people that you can, as long as you ever can. And you know what? I say amen to that. The days are short, church. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is at hand. The handwriting is on the wall. The times and the season are abundantly clear. And until Jesus comes again, may we be found busy among the
0: Father's business. Amen? amen. A timely challenge from Pastor Ed Taylor to make the most of the opportunity God has given with the gift he's given. The stakes couldn't be higher. Thanks for joining us for Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed, perhaps some of our listeners were moved by the call to serve and even have the gift of service, but they're reluctant to jump back in because through no fault of their own, they were hurt and they're having a hard time getting past it. Even fearful, it will happen again. Should they wait? Or seek to serve elsewhere? What encouragement can you give them? I have to say, Larry, you asked a question
1: uh, just a couple days ago on the topic of COVID 19. And one of the things that the whole lockdown, quarantine, COVID 19 has done is increased pain and difficulty in people's lives. It's caused a lot of divisions. It's caused a lot of opinions to come to the surface. So even any hurts that, especially those of no fault of their own that are from the past, they get magnified. Now there's new hurts, a lot of hyper-judgmentalism, a lot of difficulty. The reason I open up an answer with that is because life is hard and filled with risks. And one of the risks of fallen humanity is to be hurt through our desire to serve God. And you have been hurt, and I'm sorry, I've, I've been hurt too in ministry, and it's very painful and very difficult. Hurt through gossip, slander, hurt through betrayal and lies, hurt through uh, all sorts of things that you would, you know, like James said, ought not to be among us as believers, but they are. And I'm sorry that you experienced pain, but let me also speak very strongly into your life, because you've been hurt, does not remove the responsibility or the joy that comes by serving Jesus Christ with his gifts and talents. So I'm going to encourage you not to wait, but to jump in and begin serving people again, and to jump in and begin serving in your church again, and to jump in and begin serving at the abortion clinic or uh, down at at the rescue mission or being that witness, that light of a believer in your workplace, jump back in and be ready to be hurt again. You see, in trying to avoid being hurt, you're just causing more pain by disobedience. And I'm sorry, I, I can't say that more. I, I can. I, there's a part of me is in this question that I can feel some of the pain that you are going through because I filter it through some of the pain that I go through and that I'm currently going through, but there's nothing more fulfilling than pressing on and persevering through the pain. And as one pastor mentioned, I think I first heard this through Pastor Skip Heitzig, but it's not exclusive to him, but I love Pastor Skip's teaching. He said that we we need to learn how to have a thick skin and a soft heart. And you know the problem when you're hurt. You actually begin to do the opposite. You develop a thick heart, a hard heart, and a thin skin. And you can just pray that the Lord would soften up your heart, and thicken up your skin so that you might be able to run your race with joy, serving God by serving others. And let me just say this, let me just say this. God loves you, and he too was hurt by sin. And he chose to respond in love by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who also was hurt because of sin. God the Son, the eternal Son, sacrificing his life for you and me. And what a great opportunity we have to respond by jumping right back in and sacrificing our lives on behalf of others in the name of Jesus Christ? Great, great question. And uh, you know, let me just take a moment and pray. I just feel like I need to pray for those listening. Father, I pray for the hurting, for those that have been wrecked by ministry or by serving by other people. I wish, God, that you could just, uh, well, I don't wish, I ask that you would heal them and touch them and begin to enable them and strengthen them to step up and serve you wholeheartedly again. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Thanks again, Pastor Ed, for those words of encouragement. Before we wrap things up, I do want to mention a few things that may be of interest to you. For those who would like to hear this study from Romans again, just go online to aboundinggraceradio.com. There's a lot that goes into making all this happen, as you might imagine, and we look to the Lord to provide and guide. And if he's leading you to take an active role in the ministry through either monthly support or a one-time donation, first of all, thank you. And second, we'd like to send you something as a tangible expression of our gratitude. When you give $25 or more, you're invited to request Don Stewart's excellent book, 25 Signs We Are Near the End. In these difficult days, many are wondering how close we are to the end. Well, Don Stewart looks to the Bible to help you answer that. He believes there are 25 signs that would suggest we are near the end, like the miracle of Israel's survival— The preparation's being made to build the third temple. The stage is also being set for the Ezekiel 38 and 39 invasion. Read all about it in 25 signs we are near the end. Just call 877-30-GRACE and we can take your request. There's much more to come in Romans, so try to set aside a half hour each day to join us for Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor relates the truths we find here to everyday living. This is amazing grace.